0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show.
2: The radio show where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My address, if you want to contact me, is askdel at com, which stands for Lifestyles Unlimited Inc. So it's Dell at Ask Dell at com. Well, today, my friends, I'm going to discuss a topic that, uh, It's just ringing in my head right now. It's just bouncing around in there like a ping pong ball. And that is, what financial rules do you live by? Now, I've got quite a few different rules I want to discuss today, but I want to start out and tell you why this thing is pounding away at the inside of my head. And it started about six months to a year ago when... um, We started accumulating a a lot of guns and we got into guns and we were shooting them at at rifle range and, you know, indoor range, outdoor range, whatever. And we decided we wanted some land where we could go outside and hunt and or, you know, get in our four-wheeler and drive around and and shoot even just tin cans if we had to. But just get out and actually use the guns in a more natural environment, right? And get a little bit of... um, outdoors with us and get out there and tear it up with our four-wheeler. You know, we have a, whatever they're called, a general, it's like just a four-wheel drive vehicle. And um, we also have a four-wheel drive pickup truck also called a Raptor. And so we've got these vehicles we wanted to go use. We wanted some land. And so we started looking at land. And this is where it goes sideways, right? Right. Again, it always does in life, and this is why I think many, many people never become wealthy. Many people are broke. And I I was going to say poor, but poor is not the word. Broke is different than poor. Poor means you make a little bit of money, you live in that little bit of money, but you're still under control. Broke is, you lost it. You're broke, right? So I think a lot of people are broke because of what we're going to talk about today. They just don't have any rules they follow in finances. So as we're looking at these houses, my wife is of the mindset that, okay, we don't want, you know, uh, this land with a shack on it. And that's all I wanted was just land. I just wanted to go out there and mess around. But no, she starts looking for land with a house on it. But the problem is, is that she's so accustomed to living in this 16,000-square-foot home uh, with an incredible swimming pool, backyard, lawn, the whole bit, that she just can't bring herself to put her body into a domicile that's less than a mansion. And so, we started looking at ranches with nice homes on a sudden, we went from just looking at land to looking at ranches and ranches with homes on them. And we looked at them and looked at them and looked at them. And uh, very quickly, she comes to the conclusion, and I kind of second this, that, man, owning a ranch is like a second or third or fourth job. I mean, you just you have to have somebody there that works for the ranch just to keep it up. Otherwise, you can't keep it up. It's not something you can go out and do yourself. I don't even think if you live there, you could keep a ranch up by yourself. Huh? I don't know. I'm not a rancher, but it sure looked like a lot of work to me. And what we also found is that many of the ranch homes had a different feel to them. In other words, I don't know what it is about people that when they have ranches, they want a ranch house that looks like a ranch house. And when they own, you know, stuff on the water, a house on the water, they want it to have the colors and and fish and seafood things and all this decorations and stuff, and they make the house look like it should be on the water. Right? It's just the way they are. So, as we're looking at all this, you know, we're looking at stuff that's probably $5 for a second home type of thing. She then goes and looks at a home in Lake Travis, which is a beautiful lake here in Texas, that uh, is on a cliff. It's up on the cliff looking down. It's about $5 million, and it's about 9,000 square feet. And it's really nice, uh, but it's dated. It's a little older. And so we're thinking, oh, okay, if you buy this and you got to do some rehab on it, and remodel it a little bit because it's a little bit older, but it's still nice. But then she had another house that she took us to that was on the other side of the lake in the deep part of the lake, and it was a 12,000-square-foot home sticking out the side of a cliff, cantilevered out the side of a cliff, where you owned about, I would say, an eighth or a tenth of the whole. You had 13 acres of land that you owned around the house. So in other words, there's nothing around where everything else is built up to the max. This house has 13 acres surrounding on the side of a cliff looking out into the best part of the lake. And the only thing you could see from there was a giant restaurant that cantilevered across semi across the lake. And you could see that house from that restaurant and you could see that restaurant from this house, but everything else, nothing else around it. And I mean, I walked in and there's, you know, Twenty five foot high ceilings, columns, spiral staircase, and the view, the whole back of the house was glass, it was four stories high. It was unbelievable. I fell in love. I said, I want to be buried here. This is un- this is it. This is what I want. Twelve million dollars. Now the problem with that was actually it was twelve million nine ninety nine or whatever, but the problem with that was that I have a rule. And the rule is I never buy a house more than my largest one-year annual income and my largest one-year annual income was about 10 or 11 million something in those that nature and so this was above that so i'm breaking the rule now, not by much but I'm, I'm breaking the rule but what went wrong was when she went in there she goes oh my gosh we have to remodel this thing I mean, she, this is the way women are right so she wanted to spend another million dollars to remodel it and then it's like i said you know forget it. What are we doing looking at a second home? And then we decided we'd make it our first home. And then we realized it didn't have what our first home has here. I have a 20-car garage that had a three-car carport. And $12 million, you don't even give it a garage. It just actually it had a two-car garage, but it was up on the top of the cliff, not down by where the house was. But the bottom line was is that it just mentally didn't work out. So we kept looking, and she started looking. Now, in her brain, she'd elevated her search up to $10 million to $15 million homes. And then she found a home that was the most unbelievable home in the world in Florida. We went to look at it, it was twenty three million bucks, thirty thousand square foot, brand new, never been lived in type of thing. And it was the most incredible home and everybody I've ever showed it to has said it's the most incredible home they've ever seen. Bar none. I don't care if other guys have mansions, they're old, they're worn out, they're tired, they're ugly. This is the neatest home I've ever seen in my life. And it was twenty three million and I talk of I Talking about giving them an offer for nineteen million, and then it just sort of it, it just sort of got me. I go, Dell, what are you doing? What are you doing at nineteen million dollars? And the other part of the deal just it fell apart because they would not tell you anything about the house unless you put down a million dollars hard earnest money before you could even ask questions or inspect. We we got a tour, but it was just, the, the whole thing didn't work out right. So, there we go. We're back to zero again, we're ground zero, and we're looking at other stuff. So, we went to Cabo the other day, and this is what's funny about the story is, we went to Cabo, and we started looking at 9,000-plus square-foot homes on the top of a cliff overlooking Cabo, where you can see both the, the Sea of Cortez and the Pacific Ocean. Beautiful homes, incredible view, best view I've ever seen in my life, and they only went for $5 million. Six hundred thousand dollars and below. And I thought to myself, my gosh, how desensitized am I now that I think, man, that's a steal. <laughs> Five million bucks is a steal after looking at twenty-three million dollar homes and twelve million dollar homes. And then I started really and I started rationally, I go, you know, twenty-three million is twice as much as twelve million. And five point six is half as much as twelve million. So really, I started seeing how much more money that really was. So all comes back around, and my wife says, "Okay, maybe we should get the twelve million dollar one. It's close. It's in Texas. Uh, We could still see our family because we got you know grandkids, and we got uh, another one's probably on the way to have grandkids soon. So we discussed, you know, maybe we'll stay with that one and." Again, you start thinking, okay, what should I do? And I then we got a call about an apartment complex that was for sale and the apartment complex was thirty eight million dollars. So down payment on that's a little under twelve million dollars. And I started rationalizing, honey, do you understand? I mean, do you get that for the twelve million dollars we pay to live in this house here, we could have another apartment complex. When we come back, we'll discuss what that really means. We'll be right back with the Doe Wombley Radio Show.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today
2: and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without
0: missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Now here's
1: some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dal Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're talking about financial rules that we live by. And um, I started out with the rule that I've had my whole life about living in houses, which is to never spend more than the maximum you've made in any one year. And that would be the most expensive home that I could afford. So when I was uh, young, I was making 40000 a year. I bought a $40,000 one-bedroom condo. Um, Later on, when I was making $100,000 a year, I went and I bought myself a $120,000 three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage home, brand new from a builder. A little later, I was making you know more than 200000 a year, I bought myself a $200,000, 4000 square foot home. And then when I made a million dollars a year, I went and I bought myself a 5,000-square-foot, $1 million home. And then later, uh, I bought a $5 million home, but I bought it for half price, like $2.4 million or something like that. That's so what I paid for it. So, I actually, it was almost an investment to me, but it was still way less than I'd made in any one year. So, it was all within this conservative take that you don't spend more than one year's worth of income in the place you live, right? And I've lived by that my whole life. And so, I've always had a very low cost of living comparative to what my income was, right? And I think that's the reason I'm wealthy, and I keep getting wealthier because I make a lot of money, but I don't have much overhead. Very little, if at all, comparatively. So, when I was sitting here and we're talking about this, and we were looking at this house for $12 million, and I turned around and put it on paper, and said, look, honey, we can make $700,000 a year what the money it would cost to buy this $12 million home. Forget about the $23 million home. That'd be $1.4 million a year. So we're losing $700,000 a year to have this home. Not to mention the cost of maintaining a $12 million home. Uh, which I have no idea what it costs. I think we came up with the conclusion it's going to cost for the twenty-three million dollar home. It was twenty-five thousand dollars a month just to pay the taxes, the insurance, and the homeowner association fees, and you know those mandatory things you would have to pay just to own it. That's twenty-five grand a month. So let's say that this twelve million dollar home is half that. Let's say it's you know twelve thousand a month just to maintain it, so you lose another 150000 a year, plus a 700000 in income, so you lose an $850,000. And then you start to think, is it really worth that? Now, let's just shift this thing here, because you gotta understand this. I have massive wealth. I'm sitting at the point where I'm very old, and I'm saying to myself, I don't wanna leave $100 million to my kids. Are you crazy? They don't need that kind of money. Why don't you just spend it, Dell? And this is the point I'm getting to. I can't because I live by rules. And the rules have never let me down. That's why I'm rich. Say, well, you can break the rules once you're rich. No, if you break the rules, then you won't be rich. And part of the rule of being rich is you get richer. Right? And you say, well, at what point does it not matter anymore? It never mattered. Because I always had more money than I ever really needed. So it never really mattered. But what it did do was create more and more and more wealth every year so I can do better things in this world. I could help more people out there. I've expanded my company from Houston to Houston, Dallas, to Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, to Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Phoenix. Now we're in Atlanta. We're all over the country. We have members in 50 states, but I've had the money to expand that way because I didn't spend all the money. I didn't live off of it. So I started thinking today when I was going through this in my brain, I said, what other rules do we live by, and then I realized, duh, I wrote a seminar about this called What Rules Do You Live By Financially? And I've written three rules to live by in life. Rule number one, never lose money. I lost money in the stock market when I was 27 years old. Black Monday, I think it's 87, October 20th, 1987. And that was my birthday, by the way. And I lost a lot of money in the stock market. I said, you know what? I'm never going to give my money to somebody else ever again. And I haven't. Ever since then, every dollar that I invest in the world is put into something I control. Now, I've done a few passive deals with real estate, with people that I know. Very closely here at Lifestyles. I trust that, you know, I just picked the most trustworthy people that I trust. I didn't care how great the deal was. I just picked the people because the people to me are more important. But that's a minuscule amount of my net worth that's in with these deals. I just did it so I could be a part of the group and have some fun and see what these other people were doing. But the reality is, is that all of my investments are in stuff I control. And when I control an asset, I've yet to lose money in any asset I've ever bought. Now I have had one asset that I bought and sold for the same price. I bought it, couldn't make any money with it, and I sold it. And This was a Section 8 housing project, and don't get me going on that. Sectioned housing people are out of their minds, and they destroy everything, and they eat up your profits by destroying your asset, and you have to keep fixing your asset for dumb people that are just ignorant, that tear everything up on purpose in most cases. So, I just sold that for what I bought it for. I said, look, this isn't going to make any money. That was a learning curve. I'm getting out of it. I got out of it. I didn't lose any money. But the bottom line is I've never lost money. Rule one, never lose money. So you go to the stock market, you lose money. Put money in your 401k, it loses money. You go to the IRA, it loses money. These things I will not live with. I cannot wake up tomorrow and see my money. You know, the number on the piece of paper or my computer go down. It's got to go up. It can't go down. That's not allowable. Now, people say why don't you use diversification? I am diversified. I got real estate in probably 10 different states, right? We'll say, well, not just real estate. Why don't you diversify into other stuff? Because other stuff loses money. They say, well, diversification, what is diversification? Diversification is admitting to yourself, you don't know one thing about what you're doing. Let me give an example of what I mean. If you have a deal that earns nothing or a deal that loses 20%. You have a deal that makes and loses nothing. And you have another deal that earns 20% and another deal that earns 100%. Do you want to put $1 in each one of those? No. What you want to do is figure out which one makes 100% and put all your money there. You might diversify a little bit into the 20% you know, profitable deal. But you don't put your money in something that earns nothing, and you don't put your money in something that loses money. You just don't do it. And they said, well, you don't know what will and won't go up and down. And that's the whole point. Your financial planner is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I do. And so I'm not going to listen to people that are stupid and put my money where stupid people put their money. Rich people put their money where rich people know it's going to make a lot of money and they can control the situation. That's the reality. Never lose money. A lot of people like that mud on the wall. If you throw enough mud on the wall, something has to stick. Maybe. Maybe it does. But after you've lost 10, 20, 30, 40% of your money throwing the mud on the wall, how much does the rest of that money have to grow just to get back even? Well, if you've lost 50% of everything you earn, you have to earn 100% on that next deal to get back to even. You haven't made any money yet. you got to get back to even. You have to earn 100%. Wow. them some pretty bad odds. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
1: Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to the Dell Walmsley Radio Show. Today, we're discussing financial rules to live by. And uh, we've already carved a few of them out here. If you're just tuning in, one of them was I never bought a home that cost more than one year's worth of income, my maximum year's income of my life. So I never owned a home that was more than one year's worth of income, never owned a car that was more than one month's income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then we get into the rules that I teach, which is number one rule is never lose money and I know that sounds crazy to most of you out there because you've lost your money over and over and over again. I just don't lose money. I don't go into investments where you don't have control. I don't go into investments where things go down. I go into investments where things go up only. You say, well, how do you do that? go, you have to know how to do that. You can't just guess. You have to know. And that's what we teach you when you come in and learn how to do this. Now, rule number two is every investment must have cash flow. I've never understood this. Why would you invest money and not earn any money? They say, well, I'm putting money into a 401k. It's earning money. No, it's not. You're not getting paid anything. In fact, you're living with less money because you put money in there. Why would you do that? Why would you put money out to not get money back? It doesn't make any sense. To me, it's dumb as a rock. So anything that I buy, whatever investment it is, it has to pay me cash flow that's why I invest. If something didn't pay me cash flow, I wouldn't buy it. Now, there is one caveat on that, and that is my personal residence. I don't look at my personal residence as an investment. I look at it as consumption, which means I want it, and I'm buying it, and I'm using it up, and it's getting old, it's deteriorating, and just like the house I'm here now, 12 years in this house, I have replacing air conditioners, I'm replacing tiles, I'm replacing, I had to do some roof work, uh, you know, 12 years old, things start to wear out. And it's consumption. The money I'm putting back into this house, I'm doing it when I because I want to keep the house nice for us, but also I don't want the value of the home to go down. Now, the home has gone up in value, about double what I paid for it. But irrespective of that, I don't look at that as being income. I don't consider it a gain. I just consider it, for me to replace this house, it cost me twice what I paid for it. And so, if I sell this one, i got to go buy something else. And so, there's no gain. It's just consumption. But everything else I buy has to have cash flow. So, I start to value things a certain way. I heard this story somewhere long, long, long time ago, so I'm going to butcher the story. But Warren Buffett was talking to his wife, and she said, I want a new Cadillac. And he goes, you know, a new Cadillac, the amount of money it costs to buy that new Cadillac invested in the the proper, the business that he owns, which is Berkshire Hathaway. He said, within 10 years, that would be worth $10 million. <laughs> do you really want a Cadillac that bad? Or do you want $10 million? And, you know, that's probably an extreme example, but it's really what I'm saying. is that Why would I give up the money to buy something? They can make me like this house I was looking at. That house could buy me $700,000 a year worth of income. That would all be tax-free because of depreciation on the apartment complex. It would increase in value probably at about 4 to 6% a year. That's what real estate's appreciating now. So why would I do that? I would have to really want that house bad to want to give up that additional income to buy that house. Because everything I buy, I don't have 401k because 401k doesn't pay me. It takes from me. I don't have an IRA because it doesn't pay me. It takes from me. I don't have anything that doesn't pay me income. Even my money that's sitting on the sidelines waiting to be invested is sitting in income-producing savings accounts. And that's not a very high rate of return. It's just a place to sit that can still make me money each month. So, just sitting on the sidelines, I get like 7 thousand dollars a month from my savings accounts and I say accounts because I have 17 of them so that all my money's not sitting in any one place so it's protected by the FDIC or whoever it is but the bottom line is is that still makes me money rule two there must be cash flow by the way if there's no cash flow you can't retire if there's no cash flow you can't do things you can't live if there's no cash flow and you're living off your money you will eventually run out of money we don't live off of our assets. We live off of the cash flow from our assets. That's why we keep getting wealthier, because we have cash flow that comes out of our assets. We live on half of what we earn, etc. In fact, that's another part of this whole rule thing, is that I looked up what the average rules are. The average rules are 70-20-10, which means you live, your cost of living is 70% of your income. 20% is your fun stuff that you do, and 10% is what you save. The super conservative people live on 50% as their Cost of living, 30% is their fund money, and 20% as they save. I figured mine out. Mine is 20%, or when I started, when I was younger, it was 30% of my money was my cost of living, 20% was my fund money, and 50% was saved. Now that I'm wealthy and I don't need to keep going up in cost of living, my cost of living as a relative figure is going down. I'm now living on 20% of what I earn. 20% of what I earn is my cost of living, 30% is my fund money. So now we spend a larger percentage of what I earn. To go travel, to do things, to have fun, to drive nice cars, all for just enjoyment. But still, 50% is saved. So, we keep growing because we live by this 20-30-50 rule, where most of you live on a 70-20-10, and a lot of you live on a 70-30-0. And that's why you don't have any money. It's just simply the rules you live by in life make the difference in what you end up with in life. Which brings me to rule number three. You can't get rich slow. People go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's not the way the saying goes. No, that's the way my saying goes. Your saying probably goes something like you can't get rich quick, which is a lie. When you make $5 million in a year, you make $10 million in a year, you get rich quick. You go, but you can't make that much money. Yes, you can. But the problem is, is that you don't know how. So, you've got all your money sitting in a 401k that earns you about $0.10 cents a year. If anything, maybe nothing. You can't get rich like that. you got to have a 100% return to get rich. And so we set these deals up. And it used to be we'd get anywhere from 50 to 100% within the first year and anywhere from 100 to 3 and 400% over a two-year period of time. Now the market is way too hot to make that much money. There's too much money chasing too much real estate right now. So now we're looking to earn somewhere between 25 and 50% the first year and 25 to 50% each year after that, so within 4 years you made a 100% return. But that is inclusive of the value gain in the deal, not just the cash flow. So the cash flows on deals right now are somewhere between 6 and 12% is what I'm seeing people do. So when I calculated that 700000 a year, that's a 6% return. That's the bottom of the barrel there, okay? 6% return is 700000 But that has nothing to do with the fact that if you put $12 million in an apartment complex, that four years from now, you'll have $24 million in net worth in that apartment complex. It will double within four years. If the deals done correctly that's the key factor right so you can't get rich slow but you can get rich fast if you do it correctly so these are the basic rules that I live by I don't have to do a lot of really hard thinking each day about what I do because it's ingrained to me and it's been ingrained to me since I was about 18 years old I've lived that way and I'll probably live that way all the way until I die so we'll don't what about the $23 million home? Will you ever own something like that? And I said to myself, well, if you want to own a $23 million home, you better go out and first buy six more businesses. So I bought six businesses in the last six months, six more commercial pieces of real estate, where I own the whole building and the land and everything. I have six more businesses. Each one probably earns me another $10,000 a month, so about 60000 a month more. I started two other companies to make me more money. And uh, those are just uh, real estate companies. So I have real estate companies all over the country now. And uh, I'm now looking at this apartment complex, which would make me another $700,000 a year and or plus the capital gains. So what does that mean? That means in two to four years from now, I will have made enough to afford a $20 million home and stay within my rule. So the rule doesn't preclude me from having what I want. You can have whatever you like, whatever you like, but you all you have to have is money. And so if you want more stuff, then make more money. It's that simple. You say, well, no, it's not that simple if you don't know how to make money. And that's the rest of the story. Now, Intel from the files of Dell Wamsley. Guys, gals, ladies, friends, Romans and whatever. The bottom line is this. Don't send your kid to college unless the kid has an idea what they want to become. Don't send your kid to college if he's already a mess up. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of your money. Do something better for them. Get him a job. Make him start developing some skill sets. Make him start developing some discipline. And then if they show some discipline and uh, the willingness to stick with something, then offer them the opportunity to go to college. But until they're willing to stick with something, to stick a kid that is a brainless wonder into a college is a waste of your time. On the other hand, if, and this is a, a big if, if you come from a family that is a problematic uh, deterrent in life, uh, the idea is to get the kid out of that neighborhood and if you're growing up in a bad town like that, to get a kid like that out of that neighborhood, to get him into school, whether it's on a sports scholarship or whatever, uh, that's a good thing. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
1: Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley.
2: Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we've been talking about financial rules to live by. And for the first three segments of the show, we discussed the ones that I live by. Now, in contrast, I'm going to share with you what I looked up on the internet. I just looked up, hey, financial rules to live by. And I found that pretty much each and all of the financial planners that I looked up, their argument for what rules to live by were pretty much the same. And I just picked one, it really doesn't matter because they're so stupid. If you live by them, you're broke, I know you are. It says, rule number one, max out your 401k or equivalent employee contribution program. I've done 30 years of seminars and for 30 years, the biggest thing I had to do was convince people to get out of the 401k scam. 401ks will not make you rich and they do not get rid of your income tax problem because you're just deferring it, in fact, Dumb as a rock, you're taking it from when you earn the least amount of money in your life and deferring it to the end of your life when you're making the most amount of money in your life. You say, Well, no, doubt you've got that wrong because I will be retired and earning nothing, so I'll be in a lower tax bracket. You will be in a lower tax bracket if you're living on a lower amount of money than what you're living on now. If you pull the money out of the 401k at a rate that you're living now, you will pay the same taxes you're living now. The only difference is you can't leverage inside of your 401k. And so, Where you could have taken the money in the beginning and had it out there invested, it would be compounding at a much faster rate because, number one, you can leverage it, which gives you a 10 to 1 the rate of return. Do you understand? Where you can earn $1, I can take and leverage that 10 to 1. Actually, now it's 8 to 2 because you can only get 80% loans. So, I can leverage that to 8 to 2. So, I'm making 8 times compared to your 2 times the amount of money. So, if you make $20,000, i am making 80000 with the same amount of invested capital. That's the difference. You can't do that in a 401k. In addition to that, the 401k really only earns one kind of income, and that's appreciation. We get appreciation, and we get cash flow, and we get forced appreciation where we increase the value of the asset because of what we do to the asset, and we get mortgage reduction, which means over a longer period of time, we pay down that mortgage and our equity grows that way. And we get tax preferenced income. Again, we can defer that tax just like you can defer it in the 401k. We can defer it up in the future as long as we want, but we're getting the money. That's the difference. In your 401k, you're not getting the money. We are getting the money and still deferring the tax. Gosh, I wish I could explain that to people. Sometimes it takes me hours to get it into their heads. But when they're done, almost everybody comes out of the two-day seminar. Almost everybody. I would say at least 90% of them say the first thing they do is stop contributing to the 401k and figure out how they're going to get it out and get it working for them. Number two, buy inexpensive, well-diversified mutual funds that don't have a cost of more than 1%. In other words, you're giving your money to a mutual fund. And they're charging you one percent of your asset each year to manage this thing for you, manage the money for you, and then you're hoping that the mutual fund will make money. So whether it makes four or five or six percent a year, take one percent off because they're taking one percent of everything. So you know you've got that. But the reality is, if that mutual fund is usually filled with a bucket of stocks, and when the stock market crashes, everything crashes. It was interesting. There's a guy that used to be on the radio. He was a financial planner guy, and he called. Him, he did this thing called "buckets of money," where you have this diversification program where you put this much in this bucket, this much, in this, and on, on, and on. The guy's gone now because they took his license away from him. He had a guy on with him called Ben Stein, I believe is the guy's name. And Ben Stein used to get on Fox News and other places and do financial reporting and reviews and so forth. And Ben Stein acted like he was some financial genius. But when they had the big crash in 2008, Ben Stein got on the radio and said, Look, I'm not embarrassed. I am not embarrassed that I lost 40% of my clients' money across the board. Why, they asked him. Because most financial planners lost 50% of their clients' money across the board. But because we were diversified in such a manner, we were sheltered from some of that loss and we only lost 40%. I knew right then and there, I said, you know, People have got to be really stupid. You can look the guy up and see if you can find that quote or not. I'm trying to think of the guy whose radio show he said it on because that guy's gone now because they just took him off the air for some of the stuff that he was saying that wasn't true. And he got taken off the air. But whatever the bottom line is, here's this guy on national TV, is famous on national TV, on a national radio show, saying, hey, look, I lost 40% of my client's money, and I'm not upset about it. So... Do you really want to be in some fund like that, that, some idiot like that is running? I you know I probably should look the guy up and see what his net worth is, because I know he's famous. I know that Ben Stein is a famous name out there. I don't know why. I really don't even know what he does. But he did used to show up on shows. I haven't seen him in a long time, maybe since he lost everybody's money. I haven't seen him on shows anymore. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that if he wants to debate me, get in touch with him, ask him if he'd like to debate me, and we'll put him on the radio. And we'll let him debate why he thinks what he does is safer and makes more money and then what i'll ask him to do is he wants to do this i'll say okay you bring me 25 people that you made rich not 25 people that retired because they had a lot of money and you managed the money but 25 people you made rich and then i'll bring you 25 people i made rich and retired within two to five years and we'll have them tell their story And what you'll find is there are people out there that have financials like this guy, financial planners like this guy, who have a ton of money when they come to them, which reminds me of a joke. You ask a millionaire, what's the fastest way to get to a million dollars? He says, give your financial planner two million. (laughs) Think about that one for a second. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Give your financial planner two. He'll get you down to a million quick. That's the rule. Now from the files of Del Wamsley. I'm not a workaholic, I don't want to be a workaholic because I'm not an alcoholic and drug addict to the point that my mother was where she laid on the couch all day long, every day for the rest of her life and did nothing for nearly 50 years, okay? That's a useless life. Somehow I got out of there and accomplished a lot of things. I had a lot of goals and did a lot of stuff. That only occurred because I separated myself from bad ideas. Heaven forbid you're in some bad city You know, you're in a bad part of Chicago or a bad part of St. Louis or a bad part of Washington, D.C., but you're picking this up. And for some reason, you've got the desire to hear positivity in your life. And you're from, you know, East L.A. or whatever. Hey, guys, listen to me. I'm there for you. There is help. You can get out of those situations and you can make yourself better. Remember this, folks. We're not doing this for money. We're doing this for life. Now, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.